The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. In the story of David and Goliath that most of us have heard from childhood, sometimes we may look over uh, something that David said when he was ready to face Goliath. He says this, and it's in 1 Samuel 17, verses 45 and 46. You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarland, and you can guess it. We're going to be looking at the life of David through this series that we are calling Prophets, Kings, and Kingdoms. And uh, we've gone about Samuel. We've talked about Saul. We've introduced David, but we're going to look at it a little bit more today. And uh, so we're excited about that. Alex, uh, this is a great study and uh, anxious to get started and have a great week with it. But I did want to ask you, I heard that you came to South Mississippi and everything went well. Do you have a report for us? Well, it's great to be with you, Brother Bert, on another edition of Exploring the Word, another week. And just an hour and a half ago, I got back to North Carolina, and I want to give a big shout-out to the wonderful people of Columbia, Mississippi. I was down there since Friday, and uh, the Lord blessed. People came out. Decisions were made. But I want to tell you, Bert, I stand by what I said more than a decade ago, that the friendliest people in America are in the state of Mississippi because they, they showered us with love, and I just... I give God the glory. A lot, lot of great things. But, yes, we had a tremendous weekend of services at the Expo Center down there. The Tri-County Baptist Association sponsored. Churches came out. I met uh, a wonderful pastor, uh, Antoine, from a, a, a black church, and they came out. And then Millard Moak from Calvary Baptist. And we had a tremendous weekend. We really did. Well, I am so excited, and I agree with you. I'm proud to be from Mississippi. It's a Amen. friendly state. It is, and I've uh, been here all my life, and I enjoy it and thank God for it. But I want to just tell you, I'm excited about looking at the life of David. He is one of the key figures that you find in the Old Testament. If you find the main three, I, 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 I believe you'd agree with me, Abraham, Moses, and David. Those, they're, they're kind of the big three, aren't they? Well, well they are. And, and I want to say this uh, when we're going to get into the life of David, but I met so many great students from William Carey University. Oh, yeah. Yes. And um, uh, Dr. Golson, uh, who we saw yesterday at lunch, but, um, and I think his first name is Brett, Dr. Brett Golson, who is a worldview and theology teacher, but he told a lot of the students, if you come out to the sessions, you'll get extra credit. And so these students came, many, many students from William Carey University, and we talked about worldview, apologetics, uh, talked about AFR and just all that, you know, the American Family Association is doing. And I was so impressed with the students from William Carey University. And so... Now, Alex, you're talking about college students, and and they weren't... They weren't woke. 
they <laughs> no, they were awakened by the Spirit of God. Amen. And so, Amen. And uh, very exciting. And I've said this, and look, I love all fifty states. I really do. I preach all over, and but I would not be surprised if the next Great Awakening, the next national revival, um, doesn't come out of Mississippi. Because I, I want to tell you, there are people throughout the state of Mississippi that are earnestly praying for this nation, Bert. They are. And I, I praise the Lord. I, I, I was being facetious about college students. I get to preach and talk with them all the time. And we've got some that are standing on the Word of God, just like we have in every generation. Uh, so I praise God for that. And yes. speaking of young people, David, at a young age, Amen. learned to depend upon the Lord. And when he makes his way to deliver some food from his dad to his brothers who are in Saul's army, uh, and he hears Goliath, he looks around, and I think he looks to his brothers first. He said, which one of you going out there and fight him? And not yeah. a single one of them stood forward, came step forward, did they? <laughs> no, they didn't. This is in 1 Samuel 17, and, you know, David is is the, the young son, and uh Eliab, I've always thought about this. If you read 1 Samuel 17, uh, 28, Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the man. He burned with anger, and Eliab really rebukes David and says, you know, what are you doing down here? And who's watching the sheep back in the wilderness? I know you're conceited or, you know, your you're arrogant, you know, rebellious heart. You've just come down here to watch the battle. Now, keep in mind, there's not, not a lot of battle going on, actually. <laughs> Verse 29, David's... So, here's one thing I want to bring out. From a young age, David has conviction and courage. He's not just trying to show off, and he's not neglected his duties. He's responsible enough that the sheep back home are, are looked after, but he obeyed what his father had said to do. And, you know, his dad had said, you know, take an ephah, of uh, roasted grain to the soldiers, you know. So he, David was in obedience, and um, I don't know. Uh, I know we're talking about David. I don't want to get off on Eliab, but Eliab didn't say, hey, uh, I see you've come and you've made it safely across the wilderness. Uh, did Dad send you here? Eliab just rushed to judgment and says, you're, you're out of order, David. But David says, what have I done? Can't I even speak? And do you know, Bert, we always talk about the five smooth stones. David got five smooth stones, and David buried a couple of those into the skull of Goliath. But David had five powerful words that always have resonated in my heart. David says, is there not a cause? Yes. You remember that? It does. That's in verse 29. And uh, yeah, 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 what and, a statement! There is a cause. It, let me ask you this: Is that a, a statement similar? Is there hills to down? Yeah, you catch what I'm and, asking. And and let me just say to everybody listening, um, doing the radio, and and we talk about some some tough issues, the moral issues of our day, sexuality and gender from the perspective of God's word, and going out and doing events. And encouraging people to pray and vote. And some people might say, well, you know, what's this all about? Like David of 1 Samuel 17, 29, is there not a cause? Yes, there is a cause. There is absolutely a cause. In the case of David, it was to silence 
this Philistine that was blaspheming the God of Israel and really threatening to kill off the people through whom the Messiah would come. In our case, Bert, there is absolutely a cause. It's the salvation of our neighbors and children. It's the preservation of our constitutional republic such that we can have religious freedom and share Jesus with the world. So, Bert, I believe in every generation there's a cause, and standing up to that cause, David exemplifies that. He does. And uh, let me just suggest something. We're always looking for different books. People ask us different books. If you're looking for a book about the life of David, now it's it's not in print. You would have to find it on eBay or somewhere. And I've recommended this author many times, and several people have gone on eBay, and they'll find a book, and they said, man, those books are high now. It's because they're scarce. But if you can find this book, The Making of a Man of God by Alan Redpath, The Making of a Man of God by Alan wow. Redpath, I want to tell you it will bless you. I want to give you a sample of that, and it's about Goliath. And this is from Alan Redpath, and I'm not going to give you the whole thing, but it tells about why was David ready to confront and overcome Goliath. I want to give you four good reasons that Alan Redpath shared. One was he was sanctified by the Spirit. That's in 1 Samuel 16, 3. Do you remember when Samuel came and anointed him, Alex? It yes, says yes. in verse 13, after the anointing, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Now, what a contrast. The Spirit had left King Saul, but the Spirit of the Lord was with David. So he was sanctified by the Spirit. The second thing, he was sent by the Father. He was mm. sent by his Father. Uh, Eliab was having a fit, but he had the, the approval and the commandment of the Father, just like Jesus was sent from his Father to earth. And then secondly, he, uh, thirdly, he was scorned by his brothers. You know, mm. when he got there, his brothers looked at him like, Eliab, what are you doing here? And then fourthly, he was strengthened by his past experiences. He said God had delivered Amen. a bear and a lion into his hand. This Philistine doesn't stand a chance. Uh, I, I, preached, uh, I didn't preach on this, but I referred to it in a recent men's conference that I did down in uh, Sylvester, uh, Georgia. And I said, David looked at that giant, and he said, everybody else was talking about how big he was. They wouldn't face him. And I said, David looked at him and says, I can't miss. He's, Amen. You know? Good one. And, and again, uh, let me recommend this book. If you can find it, I want to tell you, it will light your fire. Uh, yeah. I, I read through it again before I did the show today, and I saw how many highlights and red marks I already have in it, and I marked some more. But it's The Making of a Man of God and uh, by Alan Redpath. So, Alex, uh, you yes. know, David, it, he, yes, he started off right, but God still had to mold him and make him into the leader that he needed to be. Uh, he wasn't just left to himself. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him that day of the anointing and stayed with him. Well, and, and everything you're saying is so wonderful and so true and so accurate. So um, look at verse 38, and this is a great, great lesson. Saul dressed David in his own tunic and his own armor. And David, you know, I can just picture um, a teenager in this big coat of mail and armor and all this stuff. And he says in verse 39, I cannot go in these. I'm not used to this. He said, I cannot fight in Saul's armor. Now, 
in ministry, in the Christian life, I think we get some lessons out of that. Don't you think so, I Bert? agree with you fully, Alex. Go ahead, but you are right on. Well, yeah. You know, when I was in uh, seminary, and I, I've told this story, so forgive me, but uh, Dr. Wilmington, who was the vice president, uh, one day I was at his office because I, for a couple of semesters, you know, my Christian service, I was helping in what was called the International Bible Center, and we were shipping out Bibles and things. But Dr. Wilmington was there, and we were talking, and he said, Alex, um, a lot of people that come to Liberty, they want to try to preach like Jerry Falwell. Or, and he said, I've, I've watched young men get up there and try to sound like Billy Graham or Dr. Falwell. And he looked at me, and he said, uh, don't imitate anybody because God's called you to be Alex McFarland. And he said, you know, of course, look and learn and draw lessons. But he said, there's a specific path for you and for everybody. And he said, don't try to fight in Saul's armor. And, uh, you know, I, th I think about that. Hey, the world needed a Billy Graham. And praise God, a Billy Graham was raised up. The world needed a Don Wildman. And praise God, the Lord raised up Don Wildman. But God has an assignment for each and every one of us, doesn't he, Bert? He does. And that is so perfect. And, you know, if you remember how they described Goliath, he was a giant. He was dressed yeah. in brass. Can you imagine the sun shining on him and how he looked? It even made him bigger than he was. But, again, you don't match the world's power. We can't. We come in the name of the Lord our God. That doesn't change whether you're voting, whether you're not. It's still in the power of God. So remember that. We're going to be back right after this break with more of the life of David. You don't want to miss it because we're going to talk about Saul wanting to get rid of David. We'll talk about that in the next segment. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer. He's a former appeals court judge and special prosecutor and has served on the U.S. Supreme Court since 1994. Psalm 106.3 reminds us of the importance of justice under the law. Blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to guide Justice Stephen Breyer as he works in the name of justice for all Americans. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. If you want to find out if God is on the move, Dr. Tony Evans says the first question to ask is, are you? He'll talk to us about the unbreakable link between faith and action as we spend two minutes with Tony. In the rooms around the sanctuary, we've had to install motion detector lighting because people were leaving lights on. It was costing us too much electricity. And so we had to do something. So we installed motion detector lighting. You walk in the room, the light pops on. You walk out of the room, the light goes off so that we're not wasting electricity with folk leaving lights on. There's power in the room. There's lighting in the room. But it will not manifest itself until it detects movement. God is real. God has power. God makes promises. 
but you won't see it until he sees motion. Faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. The issue of faith is does God have integrity? And of course, Hebrews says, by two immutable things, it is impossible for God to lie. Okay? But if you want it to be concrete and not just cement in a bag, it must be mixed with motion. And it is to be applied to every category of your life, your personal life, your marriage, your, your relationships, how you do at work, how you handle your money, what it means to be a wife, what it means to be a husband. I mean, it is to apply faith to every category of life where you are moving in sync with what he says. For a look at the extraordinary things that ordinary people can do when they act as though God is telling the truth, check with us for details on Dr. Evans' series, Heroes of the Faith, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow weak or discouraged before he has established justice on the earth. In his law, the islands will put their hope. Isaiah 42, 3 and 4. American Family Radio. It's a new horizon, and I'm Welcome back to Exploring the Word. We welcome you back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert here. So glad you're listening. It's a brand new week, and we are in 1 Samuel 17. We're looking at the life of David, certainly one of the giants of the Old Testament. Bert, I would say one of the great figures of the entire Bible, uh, period. And, um, hey, in a few minutes, we are going to get to Bible questions. If you want to ask a Bible question, we would love to have you. The number is 888 uh, let me say this, Bert, and, and I'd love your thoughts. As we get into, into like verses 45 and 46, before David does a work for God, he invokes the word of God. Before he does something for the Lord, he starts it with the name of the Lord. David says to Goliath, the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And isn't it something that before he thrust himself into the work, it was prefaced with the name of the Lord and the word of the Lord. And I think that's why it had the blessing of the Lord. I agree with you. And Alex, uh, he had spent time alone with God before he got into the public eye. Uh, and I found that to be so important. I, I've heard of like people of notoriety being saved, and it's like the very next week, if you're not careful, they're out sharing. And uh, and the Bible talks about the the novice, you know, being careful, don't put them in leadership or out in front. And so David had that time along with God, with God uh, speaking to him. I think that's when we get Psalm 23, David remembered, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I think he remembered those days, lonely days and nights, 
of watching those sheep and God being there with him. So he had spent that time so he could come not just in word only, but in real life experience that God is with me. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty. And and, and so, and notice verse 46. I love the first part. And the this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Alex, uh, I mean, that is confidence, not overconfidence, but confidence in what God had called him to do, what God had showed him what to do. And he had arrived at such a time as this. And so mm-hmm. David is ready for the battle. The the I, I would say this, you know, we are activists here at AFA, AFR. We are. That's yeah. what makes AFR and AFA a good bit different than a lot of people. We send out alerts to ask people to send emails to the congressman, to businesses when they are making horrible decisions. And, yes, we want active. But I just want to tell you, the most active thing that you can do is spend time with God in a quiet place so you're ready for the battle when it's out there in the noisy place where people are watching. Yes. At, is, I want to ask you this. Is there anything that can replace time with the Lord in his word and in prayer seeking him? Oh, no, no, there, there's nothing. There's no substitute for the anointing of God, the power of prayer, spending time with God. And, and let me just say, if you feel like you're kind of crossing a vast desert and you're in a spiritual dry spell, this time is not wasted. I mean, the time that you can commune with the Lord and hear that still small voice, because I, I really think if we do have some downtime or maybe, and let me just say this, sometimes ministers, in fact, I was talking to a family this morning and they're looking for a church and a minister kind of felt like he was set aside on a shelf. No, uh, the, that's one of the beautiful things about the Lord is um, we worship as we wait because when we're in the waiting room, that's a time for preparation, isn't it, Bert? It is. You are talking about talking to a pastor. I talked to one of my very best friends. We had lunch together and a two-hour lunch of sharing and praying together, talking together. It was needed. And, been, and, and we're, praising God, I'm you sure. You better believe it. We've been friends since college. That's a long time ago. And we were talking about 2020 and the quietness of 2020. Uh, and we were talking about the things that we God taught us. We were both, you know, pastors for years and years and years. And in 2020, neither one of us was, quote, pastoring a full-time church. I wasn't even at an interim. And what God showed us in those quiet hours of days, we learned things about God in that quietness that we did not learn. So even in the difficulties of, quote, the pandemic, God in his power was strengthening his people for the battle that they would be facing. So, Alex, what you just said about people being through that difficult time, quiet time, uh, those are the times we turn to the Lord. We seek him first in his kingdom, in his righteousness. That's what we do. We should do that on a daily basis, but sometimes we have to be drawn aside in order to get it in perspective, don't we? We do. We do. And verse 46, David says to Goliath, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. Now, that was confidence, uh, but it was also prophetic. But let me just say this. 
I know, I know that, um, well, in John chapter 6, the Bible says the flesh profits nothing. And we really, you know, John 15, 5, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. I know that. But at the same time, James 2 says faith without works is dead. Now, maybe there's an assignment God's uh, given you. Uh, dear listener, maybe witnessing to somebody or serving in church. Maybe maybe you are needed to teach Sunday school or be a deacon or serve on a committee. And you think, you know, well, I can't do this. And that's true. I, I mean, Bert and I couldn't do the things that we do, preaching and writing a book and, do, you know, all this stuff. It's completely in Jesus. But, Bert, there comes a time when the preparation needs to be put into use. And I've got to believe David, sure, he was thoroughly trusting the Lord. But uh, in 1 Samuel 17, 46, somehow deep in his heart, David says, I can do this. Look, I've saved the sheep from a lion and a bear, and God has protected me. But um, I've learned how to throw this slingshot. Uh, there's that blaspheming pagan out there. He's too big to miss. I know God is with me. I can do this. And maybe that thought went through his head in just one second. But, Bert, I, haven't you been in a place where maybe it was to step out and preach your first sermon? Maybe it was to have a hard conversation with somebody who needed to have a little come-to-Jesus talk. Maybe it was to go on a, an interview and be on the hot seat and have to answer questions. But listen, I want to say to every Christian, you can do this with Jesus and for Jesus and to bring truth to a lost world, you can do this. And if we would be a tool in the hand of the Lord, there's some giants that need to be slain, Bert. And those giants come. And listen, Caleb faced his giants. He really did. Uh, but look at 47. It continues that thought. Then all this assembly shall know. This is David speaking. This assembly, those people on the other side of the creek, they're going to know. They've been cowering in your presence. They've been shaking in your presence. Goliath, no one has volunteered to come and to fight you because you was always saying, just send one man out here to fight me. Here's the man. He calls him a dog. He, Goliath mm. does. But then he says, then all this assembly shall know what? That I am great warrior? No, that the mm. Lord does not say with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Notice Amen. these terms. This is humility. The Lord will do it. And he says he will give you into our hands. Notice how many times he invokes the nation of Israel, the God of Israel. Do you see that? Uh, there was yeah. nothing of him. I'm going to make myself a name. Right the opposite of what his brother Eliab accused him of doing, he's doing, but he's doing what is needed. Now, People will Amen. accuse you of having an agenda sometimes because you preach or teach certain things. They'll call, I think you have an agenda because you come down on the side of what is right. They say, oh, no, no, you do what is right in the sight of the Lord. You stand with him and let the Lord have the battle. I love that. The battle is the Lord's. Alex, we need to learn that. You know, this really represents... Uh, Israel against the giant, you know, and it, yeah, it's representative, God's people, okay? Israel was God's people. Now, I don't want to take this, uh, you know, avenue too far, but we're God's people today, and we're facing yes. giants. 
government overreach, uh, telling the church what to do, telling, I, I would say, businesses what to do, trying to do some things. Telling that churches you, not yes, to Yes, they're doing that. And so what you do, it looks big, it looks ominous, but we come in the name of the Lord. We better not be cocky, but we need to be courageous. You know, there's a difference yeah. in that cockiness. Oh, yeah, I can do it. And courageous because you know you come in the name of the Lord, you've been anointed of the Lord, and you know that God's hand is upon you, and here it is. The battle is the Lord's. Here I stand. That's what Martin Luther did at the Reformation. He said, here I stand. I can do no other. We need to take Amen. our stand for godliness and for God's purpose. Well, and notice Goliath had used ridicule, then intimidation. You know, hey, are y'all sending a dog out to fight me? You know, there was ridicule, and then there's intimidation. And verse 48 says the Philistine, doesn't even name his name, he's just the Philistine, rushes David, moved closer to attack him, and the wording indicates that he, he like, rushed him. But David ran quickly toward him. Isn't that something? Amen. The ridicule hey, that sounds discourage. like first responders, not running away from it, but running into it. So David was a first responder. That's pretty good, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, the, the ridicule, the intimidation, the, the scorn. And, you know, I'm sure most people know what it, what it feels like to be dismissed. You, you know, you Christians, you traditional values people, give me a break. Hollywood's against you. Uh, a big government is against you. Secular academics is against you. But look, we don't come in the power of the flesh. We come with the truth of the eternal God in the name of the Lord. Well, David, verse 48 of 1 Samuel 17, David rushes right toward him as well. Reaching into his bag, taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. And the stone, the stone sank into Goliath's forehead and he fell face down on the ground. Now you think about this. The stone, David threw it hard enough anyway, but that rush toward him, it just compounded. Maybe that rock hit Goliath's forehead with uh, two pounds per square inch more force. But here's the thing. The force Satan sends your way to destroy you, God will work it into your victory. Isn't that something? Amen. Goliath running toward David, it wasn't David's demise. It actually contributed to David's victory. And he hit the place that were vulnerable. If you look at his legs were covered, his chest was covered, his shoulders were covered, but his face was open. And God will direct. Do you notice the direction of, the, of, of that stone? And it says, verse 50, David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Uh, you know, he didn't have a sword, but he, he would take a, a Goliath's sword. But I wanted to really look before we run out of time. We didn't get as far as I thought because this, this story was too good. Verse 51, mm -hmm. therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head. Now, when the Philistine saw that, their champion was dead. I love the next two words. They fled. Here was this yep. anonymous, <laughs> the most powerful, bigger, well-equipped, and they ran. Now, the men of Israel did what? They arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and wounded them. Now, they had been sitting over there afraid. One man 
coming in the name and the power of the Lord change the course of history and of everything. Alex, have you ever heard, can one man make a difference? Or one person, mm. or one person make a difference, man or woman or the child? The answer is yes. The answer is yes, and this proves it, doesn't it? Billy Graham said courage is contagious, you know? And, Liz, we have countless people listening right now. Friend, you can pray for America, and it will matter. You can influence people around you. You can stay equipped. You can speak truth. You can vote. You can run for office. You can go to school board. You can have a small group of parents in your house and watch a video like In His Image. Um, listen, there, there's a tipping point, Bert, when a culture, and right now we're about to severely tip in the wrong directions, but if you love God and country, you can make a difference. David changed the course of history, and it took courage, took obedience, but we need some, some David's to go out and face some giants in our day. We, we do, Bert. We do, and you can be that person we really desire for you to. And we th know that God is able. He, uh, the battle is Lord's. Let's look at all those phrases. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. They come with a sword and a spear. Let me just tell you, that is limited. The power of God is unlimited. That is the mm. power Amen. that we stand with, and we want to remind you of that, and we thank God for it. Well, Alex, we're going to take phone calls here in the last segment. We're so excited about that. So that number that you want to call, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. We want to get to as many questions as you can give us today. Alex and I will do our best to answer them and share with you the truth of God's Word. Again, continue listening to Exploring the Word here on AFR. A lot of people don't like to think about heaven as a place of work, but eternal life is exactly that. But it's different because it's work that is removed from the curse of the fall of Eden. Heavenly Works, an article by Jordan Shambly. This is why we were created, and this is part of being made in the image of God. God is a working God, and we were created to do His work. To read this article and more, visit EngageMagazine.net. This is Frank Effney, host of Secure Freedom Radio. It's your personal, daily intelligence briefing about the challenges we face, how they're likely to affect you, and what we can do about them. You can find Secure Freedom Radio here every weeknight at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Tune in to learn from our extraordinary experts what you need to know and will want to share. Join us for Secure Freedom Radio tonight at 11 Eastern, right here on AFR. The borrower is the slave of the lender. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Newly published information from LifeWay Research shows 77% of self-identified Christians in dozens of states think it's a sin to lend money to someone who can't afford to pay it back. Still, few say payday loans are immoral, and one in six Christians has admitted to taking out a high-interest payday loan. The federal government's Consumer Financial Protection Bureau says a typical two-week payday loan charges the equivalent of a 400% interest rate. These sharks prey on the poor, elderly, and most vulnerable in society. 
sound the alarm and make sure your family, church, and neighborhood steer clear of this vermin. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with a minute in God's Word to help you keep moving forward. Acts 20 verse 35 records these words of Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. A spring of water continually gives, while a pool continually receives. That's why the spring is always fresh, but eventually the pool becomes stagnant. Life becomes stagnant when we only receive. God created us to give, and He blesses us when we give. So do you trust Jesus at His Word? Are you as eager to do things for others as you are to receive good things from them? Some of God's gracious blessings require no real effort from us. We simply open our hands and receive. But the blessing of giving requires taking initiative. You can only experience the blessing of giving through the act of giving. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. The Salvation Army Band is playing this hymn. And your grace rings out so deep, it makes my resistance seem so thin. So hold me, Jesus, cause I'm shaking like a leaf. You have been king of my glory, won't you be my prince of Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bert and Alex with you today, and we're so glad that you could join us. We have lines open right now. It'd be a great time for you to call. You've been wanting to. Now's your chance. I think you can get through if you do it quickly. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Alex, while we're waiting for folks to call in, I just want to remind our pastors and wives of the Fishbowl Retreat that Jan and I will be hosting Amen. in October the 19th and 21st, Pickwick Landing State Park near Savannah, Tennessee, on the Tennessee River. Beautiful, beautiful place. And uh, Jan and I will be there. My wife, she'll be sharing. And uh, you don't want to miss that. I, it, it was, it's always good. Ed Vitagliano Amen. will be there along with J.J. Jasper. And oh. you go to repairingthefoundations.net and register. And I looked on it. We got a lot of folks that's registered, but we still got some room. So we hope you'll do that. And so just remember that. Well, Alex, while I was doing that, the lines lit up, did they not? <laughs> they did. They did. Do we have uh, Pamela from Texas that we're going to go to first? That is first. That is the first one. Pamela, welcome. All right. Thank you. Got to come back to that. Thank you so much. Um, am I on? You are on. You You're are on the radio. On, yes. yes, we can hear you. Okay, thank you. Um, my question is, I can't remember the exact verse, um, I, honestly, but I remember studying in Sunday school that God allowed um, some of the wives to be raped in public. When David, as punishment for uh, David, when he slept with Bathsheba, 
that has haunted me for years because I, I, I can't make sense of that. I can't make sense why God would allow that to happen to women for someone else's sin. And so my question is, and I have researched it somewhat myself, um, and uh, I'm not... I'm not. I'm not sure that I. I still know the answer. Could you help me with that? Okay. Thank you, Pamela. Alex, you mm. got that. Well, let me say this: not everything the Bible records does the Bible condone. In fact, a lot of the ugliness of the Old Testament that is recorded is because uh, I think the Word of God is trying to show the severe repercussions when people don't really live for the Lord. And so certainly that's not normative or endorsed or, um, you know, affirmed. It, it might have been allowed, but it certainly wasn't um, God's ideal because human rights and especially the rights of women and children are something the Bible clearly stands up for. And Alex, one of the most important things that we have talked about is that statement you first said. Uh, the multiple wives is it not endorsed by the Bible or God, and uh, yeah, but but it became a part of the tradition. And I'd say this: just because it's in tradition does not make it right, you know. And uh, that you got to weigh that which is new and that which is old in the light of God's word to determine right or wrong. And so, uh, thank you, Pamela. Thank you for your call. And where would we go to next, Alex? Well, well, Bert, the software on my end is not really responding. Okay, so well, I'll it, take care of that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, sure yeah. can. Let's go to Oklahoma yeah. and talk to Lance. Lance, welcome. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yes. Good to have right, you. So I had a, I had a question. Um, so um, the Bible talks many times about, like, um, commanding you know, God commanding kings or, or rulers to um, pretty much slay the enemy or the enemy be handed to them, you know, and, uh, I mean, there's there's plenty of instances of that, you know, and uh, or go into the camp and kill all the, the people in the camp and, you know, and even the animals and, you know, uh, there, and then, you know, you guys talk about David and Goliath and, you know, God was, handing the giant over to him and, you know, he was giving him, you know, the command pretty much to, to kill the giant. Well, does, do you find any kind of contradiction in that whenever Jesus was saying to, uh, it, you know, put your sword away and, you know, he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. Nope. I'll go ahead and let you guys talk. I'll hang up. Okay. Thank you, Lance. Let me just share with you. It's the same God. A lot of folks want to take this and say, oh, the God of the Old Testament, God of the New Testament. No, it is the God of the Bible. And, yes, different, uh, I'd say, characteristics are, are shown by God, but all of them are right. And Jesus did say, put away your sword at this time. It wasn't like that there was not a time for self-defense. Uh, it's just like the believers that are over in Afghanistan Many of those believers, some of them are choosing to stay in Afghanistan because they want to be witnesses to their countrymen about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. I find that amazing. But it's the same God. And so, Alex, God did have a purpose even in the war of killing the enemies, did he not? 
He, he really did. And by the way, um, Bert is right. The, the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. There's a consistent picture of God. Now, in the New Testament, it seems like we more often see Jesus's attribute of love and humility and forgiveness. And that's true. Love your neighbor. Turn the other cheek. But Jesus also took a whip and cleared out the temple. And he said, you know, uh, in Matthew 25, you know, you'll be thrown into the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. In the Old Testament, we see the mercy and the compassion of God. Uh, So the picture of God in both Testaments is consistent. But when we read about in the Old Testament, you know, in in places like, uh, you know, Joshua, where the uh, the Israelites were commanded to drive out or kill the Canaanites and even the down to the animals. Um, let me explain what God was doing there, because here's the thing. It's interesting, the wording where God told Israel to drive out the, the people of the land. The word really means dispossess. In other words, Israel was to um, scrub their promised land of all these pagan tribes. And there was like four centuries where they worked on doing this. It was a time, uh, interestingly, like in Judges uh, 1 and 2, where it says that for a time they could not drive them out. Now, here's what I wanted to say, Bert. We've got to remember what God was doing in the what we think is brutal Old Testament. He was bringing Israel into the land because through Israel he would send the Messiah. And... I've had people say, well, you know, the violent fighting the Philistines and the Amalekites, it was showing how dark paganism was. Well, maybe. I think it was so vicious and so thorough because God was bound and determined to send his Messiah into this world. And, you know, I mean, this was critical. And and again, I'll say this. I'll throw it back to you. When we read about the Old Testament God, calling for the Amalekites, the Amorites, the Perizzites to all be purged. The question is, did God have a morally sufficient reason for doing that? And the answer is yes, because while several thousand pagans getting killed, that might sound bad. I'll tell you what would be worse if humanity had not had a savior. And so God was justified uh, in calling Israel to take this land over Roughly about 420 years. And let me add this. You remember the first battle was the Battle of Jericho. Out of that battle, there was a woman named Rahab. And she had family and friends. And she believed God. And she was saved. God, there's no doubt, every person that was slain, the grace of God has appeared to all men. That means those Philistines, the Amorites, they did not respond to the light they had. Rahab responded to the light, and those that were with her in her house responded to the light, and they were saved through that. There's no doubt, Alex, others may have been that we didn't know about, you know, that the Bible does not record. That's a possibility. But those that would respond the way Rahab did, Alex, God they were mercy. To, exactly. So don't don't ever forget that and make that a part of the story when it talks about the battle. Let's go to Texas and talk to Elizabeth. Elizabeth, welcome. Hello. Yes, good to have you today. Uh, 
thanks for having me. I wanted to just give a comment on how um, the radio has blessed my life. I um, oh, I guess yeah. last year I was just feeling so down and just didn't really see much hope or much positivity in being a Christian. I, I saw it as negative. And now that I've uh, not only found a good home church, um, and my husband and I, we've really, really, like, changed how we see God and see being Christian. And now we see it as a positive. We love going to church. We love meeting other Christians. And I really wanted to say thank you to this podcast or radio show for answering some of the questions I had and never had anybody to ask, too. Amen. Thank you, Elizabeth. What it is, Praise God. with that in mind, I just got to do this. We're going to have Sherathon, and it's coming up in fall in October. And right now, we're collecting listener stories. That means stories how just what Elizabeth said, how AFR, especially Alex and I think, a, exploring the word, has been a blessing to you. And we would love for you to call that in about a minute, a two-minute testimony, and we can use it during Sherathon. And if you'd do that, we would love for you to do it. By the way, get ready to write this number. Now, we'll be giving it all week, 877-876-8893. That's 877-876-8893. Call that. Uh, Elizabeth, what you could do, you could turn around and call that number and share that uh, with with that recording device, and then it would be used oh. during Sherathon. So thank you, Elizabeth. Amen. Oh, Praise thank God. Thank you. you so much for listening. Amen. Thank you again. Let's go to Mississippi and talk to Mara. Is that right, Mara? Yes, sir. Welcome. Thank you for calling in today. How can we help you? Yes, sir. Um, I heard y'all last week, and may have been last week. Um talking to someone about a chronological study Bible. Yes. And I was just wondering, maybe not so the purpose of a chronological study Bible, but why do we have our Bible um, outlined like we do now in the different translations? Amen. And why is it it not chronologically ordered? Mara, that is a fantastic question. Alex, I love that question. I've told you before, I think chronologically, and and I've told this before, I'm going to do it real quickly. There's 11 books in the Old Testament that covers the history of Israel. Everything else of the 39 books are, I would say, commentaries to it, but Genesis and Exodus, and then Numbers and Joshua, and then Judges, and then 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, Ezra and Nehemiah. Those 11 books are the chronological books that you look. But the reason we have it the way it is, they put it not necessarily in chronological order, but they grouped them together, didn't they, Alex? They, they really did. The, the way we have it is really kind of the, thematically in a way. I mean, you've got the, the books of Moses, the, the books of, of Moses, which is often called law. Then you've got Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, Chronicles, uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. That's called history. Then you've got poetry and wisdom, Job, Psalms. Although it's absolutely history here, but it's it's poetic and Song of Solomon. Then you've got what are called the major prophets and the minor prophets. And it doesn't mean major is more significant. It's just like Daniel and Isaiah are longer than some of the the smaller, you know, short shorter books. But really, in chronological order, 
um, when we talk about the chronological study Bible, um, they're arranged in the time period of history, not so much thematically. Uh, but that is a, I, to my knowledge, Bert, I can't recall anybody having ever asked that question before. Uh, they have so not. I com- Amen. Commend you for a good question. Yeah, we're going to take a chance. Randy from Louisiana don't have a lot of time, but I just couldn't ignore you. Go ahead, man, with your question. Yes, uh, you know, God chose Saul and God chose David. Uh, we look at our government today, God chooses, uh, it says that, that all our governments today are, are, are uh, because of God's desires. You know, uh, and he had uh, Saul, I mean, anointed. He had David anointed. Uh, no more anointing. Uh, probably not too many more good uh, administrations. Uh, I don't know. Look throughout the uh, the history of the israel and and uh the, the further we go down the road look like we get worse and worse but anyhow i just wanted to throw that out and, and see what your opinion is is, is god still in the king making business <laughs> hey bert can i give you my go opinion? ahead yeah go right ahead bless you brother you're right i i'm concerned as well but there is a, a verse called second chronicles seven fourteen, and bert in light of our current situation, would you comment on Second Chronicles seven fourteen? If it, my people, it's if my people, who are called by name, my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turning from their wicked ways, then there's the it's the if and the then and those in between, and that's what we're praying. Matter of fact, we're talking about prophets, kings, and kingdoms. Uh, when we get to the kingdoms, Alex, you and I'll talk about this earlier. There'll be two kingdoms: the north and south. In the south, there were eight good kings. Guess how many good kings were in the north kingdom? Zero. Nada. Not a one. Yeah. You know, have we reached that point? I do not know. But we are trusting God. If my people, we need to seek God. Our, I don't mean to say our president is not the answer. Our Congress is not the answer. God seeking him. Alex, we've got to seek him. That's the answer. Folks, you've been listening to Exploring the Word. Tune in again tomorrow. We're going to continue in the Scriptures. Tell somebody about the American Family Radio Network, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. Faith. Family. Freedom. American Family Radio. The AFA Journal helps you discover how Christians are pressing toward the mark as salt and light here and abroad. You'll find articles by award-winning writers covering critical issues that affect American families. The AFA Journal is an invaluable resource to equip and encourage Christians to light up the darkness. Subscribe now at afajournal.org.